Hello, and welcome to Kickout 299. I am the ever-enthusiastic Rachel. And I'm Alicia. And today we have a really exciting interview for you all. We had the immense honor of sitting down to chat with Matt Charlton, author and illustrator of the astounding J-Crown series and beloved Puroresu artist on Instagram and Twitter at Shining Wizard Designs. It cannot be understated just what a huge inspiration and influence Matt has had on both of our journeys through pro wrestling. His mission to catalog an industry, as he so eloquently phrases it on Twitter, has provided an invaluable resource for new and old Puroresu fans alike. In his latest release, J Crown to the J Crown Edition, he digs deep into the 1996 J Crown tournament, discussing the belts, the participants, the matches, and all the different threads that connect to the single moment in history. In this interview, we discuss not only the J Crown tournament, but also his creative process, his love of wrestling, and the courage that it takes to turn one's dream into reality. I hope you love hearing Matt's passion and heartfelt words as much as we did. So let's get started. Okay, so Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Um, okay, uh, my name's Matt. Hi, um, from Cambridge, England. I live in the north of Spain right now. I live in Bilbao. Um, my partner, my daughter. Um, I am a teacher by day, or at least I try to be, teach English. <laughs> I can't do anything else. <laughs> um, and and I, I draw, I think, and I write, and I draw and write books about professional wrestling. Awesome. And what, where can, <laughs> I think that's putting a little bit lightly, all the things that you do and the influence that you have in our, in our corner of wrestling, but what are your social media handles? Where can people find you in your work? Uh, Shining Wizard DS on Twitter and Shining Wizard Designs on Instagram. You can see the pictures there and make contact. And it is absolutely worth it to go check out those drawings, go onto Twitter. And of course, like you said, make contact. It is 100% worth it. And your brother, Chris Charlton, writes about watching wrestling with you as children in the forward to your book, J-Crowned. Can you walk us through how you got into wrestling, which wrestlers and promotions you gravitated to first, and how you discovered Pururesu? Um, well, when I was still a kid, um, like uh, British wrestling was still on TV. On, on Channel 3, um, you know, it had been this cultural institution for 30, 40 years beforehand, um, but it, it, was, it was dying out because you know, the, the WWF had become such a global phenomenon. Um, but it was, it was still on, and so I've got kind of very hazy memories of, of kind of pale, pasty English people putting on, on <laughs> hammerlocks and wrist locks with it. I think mean, the, the first thing that kind of really grabbed us was when that got replaced by um, WCW. Um, so the, the international syndicated shows where you just have the highlights of, of the big stuff that was happening and, um, and little matches, usually with Johnny B. Bad, <clears throat> but say Sting and um, Vader were the first people who kind of really kind of jumped out of this, kind of in Sting's case, literally. You know, um, and, and from then we were kind of messing around pretending to be wrestlers. Um, but <laughs> but then I mean it just drifted away from it until until the attitude era probably and and I was um, 16 when Austin won King of the Ring in 96 and so I was kind of the, the perfect kind of age to appreciate um, kind of the anti-authoritarian kind of uh, vein that, that was in wrestling at that point they kind of got the zeitgeist just exactly right for that that period of time um but i mean and then you you through wcw through wwe you see uh figures like uh liger and benoit and um uh jericho and ultimo dragon and then you you read the magazines in the you know, the news agents, you're just standing there and you're flipping through trying to figure out 
uh, more about these people who you see on TV. And then you see them uh, posing in Japan in uh, a much, much more respectful and, and sport-oriented uh, kind of environment. And um, you start thinking, well, that, that has more weight than what I'm watching. Or, and, and these people have more, uh, say, ability or credibility than, than the others because they're, they're not here. They're not presented in this way. And so that sort of started the process of wanting to find out more about the, the wider world of wrestling. Wrestling is not just what, what is presented to you on, on this big show. There is, there is much more out there. There is a world of wrestling. And so well, that just started the interest and, and from there kind of built and built and built. That's really fascinating that it was the contrast uh, between, I guess, the different styles and sort of cultural divide in wrestling that drew you in. That's really cool. And it's been noted that the 1994 Super J Cup was very influential on you. Why is this specific tournament so notable for you? Is it junior heavyweight wrestling is important in general or? <laughs> not, not so much. It's um, say one of the first times, because I, le- I left home when I was real young. And so you know, the only way that I'd maintain contact with, with Chris was kind of going back um when the house was empty you know we'd watch we'd watch tapes and we'd watch whatever i'd pick up and um you know i I remember going on the internet and and finding a a tape trader and ordering stuff that had a reputation and so from the same year we got uh when worlds collide the the triple a wcw pay-per-view and um and the super j cup and yeah the contrast the contrast between the, the culture and the presentation and with the Super J Cup, I mean, that 1994 show, it's just um, this once in a lifetime event where, where just everything was perfect. I mean, the, the presentation, the fact that you got Hayabusa and, and Liger in, in the first round, and there's not really a bad match on, on the card. And, and it finishes with um, Sasuke and um, Benoit. And it's just, it just builds and builds and builds. And it's just, I know you're you're kind of spoiled from that moment on, but I mean, because you then expect well, everything is going to be like this next. I mean, if not, everything has ups and downs. But as a as a one night show, where you just have this ultimate, yeah, respectful sports presentation, but then the matches themselves full of these larger than life characters. So no, it just kind of grabs you, grabs you and pulls you and doesn't let you go. That's awesome. And speaking of um, larger than life. Uh, you don't really get a whole lot uh, more over the top than the great Sasuke. And you mentioned that the great Sasuke is very important to you. So could you walk us through what makes him so influential to you? What makes him stand out to you personally? That's a really big, I, I, I love him. I, um, <laughs> I, from the, the sort of in-ring standpoint that he can do everything and, and having kind of watched him as a young man, you know, now, of course, incredibly limited. He still does insane stuff. But um, yeah. <laughs> as a young man, you know, being able to, to mat wrestle, strike, and then, then pull out a Sasuke special, you know, and then uh, just captivating from that in-ring standpoint. Then he's also got this kind of aura of otherness about him that is impossible to to fake or act. I mean, he's, he's legitimately different on a completely different plane. You suddenly realize, okay, so he, he trained that person or he's responsible for this and he has his own company, you know, and so he, he started Michino Kupro and then he, that went badly because again, he, he couldn't delegate. And so there was this schism. And so that led to, to Osaka Pro, but, but then he won everyone back just by, by being, himself admitting his flaws and growing as a as a human being the fact that he i don't know was a musician the fact that he he ran for political office and got elected under a mask he's from a wrestling standpoint he can do everything but then also from a personal standpoint he's this flawed genius you know this this ultimate guy who who will try everything will get things wrong and so i know from a a personal and and also a wrestling standpoint he's, he's just always been up there and you know i met him in in kobe a few years ago and they kind of say don't meet your heroes because he was just the nicest guy 
he was just so, so sweet. I'd done a quick picture in the hotel before I went and I put it on Twitter. And he said, oh no, I've seen this. I saw this on Twitter, did you draw this? And, and then he drew uh, you know, a, little, a little picture of his own, signed everything and said, no, it was just lovely. And then he sent me a video like last week, like holding my book. And he, I didn't ask him to do that. <laughs> he just, he just did it. He was super sweet. You know, I, I love the great Saskia. Oh, my whole heart. That's wonderful. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's really just a rare individual. He's just very fascinating, like you said. Um, and he can still he can still pull one out when he needs to. I just remember. Oh, yeah. Last, yeah, last June with his singles match with. Uh, Jinsei, where uh, it was just absolutely, and it was a last minute change on the card. They're like, okay, you know, a lot of people caught COVID. What are we going to do? And they just threw Sasuke and Jinsei in there and they they tore the house down. No, that's um, it. So that's... And what Shinzaki as well, he, there's no days off for him. And the, the fact that he, he never takes a break, never takes it easy, even on the little shows. He just is, again, sublime. It's like a different mentality. He's, great performance and he works like three jobs he's uh he teaches gymnastics he owns his uh takoyaki stand so uh last night he made curry takoyaki and it looked really good (laughs) (laughs) definitely check him out on twitter but yeah no it's it's really crazy what they're doing over there in uh, michinoku and they just put their whole heart into it and you can definitely feel that with the great sasuke he's just has a lot of heart. <laughs> He's got a lot going on, but he has a lot of heart. I'm glad that we got you talking a little bit about the video that Sasuke made for you because it was so cool to see that. Was, we were so happy for you when that uh, when you posted that, and it made me um, it made me think. Actually, my my first introduction to Sasuke was actually through a documentary that came out a couple of years ago by Mikiko Sasaki, mm. and I wonder if I'm sure you've seen that, Matt, um, but it's that was I had no idea who he was I was still very very new to Pro. I didn't know what Michinoku Pro was but um I was still even like a brand new um I was a brand new fan to a lot of things in, in Pro then but I had no idea who he was but I was actually listening to Chris's podcast at the time and he had uh Mikiko on the podcast because she was funding um the documentary and that's how mm-hmm. I, I wound up backing it and then watch the documentary that way um but yeah Sasuke is an, an incredible incredible figure. And if, if anyone's listening, I'm sure, well, people will be listening. When, when people are listening, <laughs> make sure you do look up um, that documentary. It's, it's, worth, uh, it's worth looking up to be sure. And um, switching gears and talking a little bit more about your new book, J Crowned, the J Crown Edition. I was just really curious about your history with, with illustrating and drawing. And at what point did you sort of discover that you had this proclivity for capturing wrestling and their matches? What, uh, the history with drawing, um, I think, I mean, I mentioned there, I'd left home real early and I was, um, I went, uh, lots of years kind of uh, couch surfing, you know, going around, sleeping on, on friends' sofas, didn't have a, a solid home. Um, and, you know, I'd have friends who would busk or you know, whatever they would for just, just to get money. And I, I didn't really know how to play guitar to that extent, or I wasn't at least confident enough to sit on a street corner and play. So I did, you know, the very, um, you know, like I said, I'm from Cambridge in England. It's a very, um, it's an odd bubble of a town where people are just a, a bit different, a bit detached from reality. So I did, I, um, I, I kind of got enough money together to get a pitch on a, on a craft fair you know, and I, I would sell, you know, doodles and pictures and whatever I would there. I mean, so that was the first time that was actually drawing for money. And it was essentially just to, to survive. <laughs> um, but I mean, and, and from then on, really, it, it's been a part, or at least trying to think what I could do um, to reach an audience with, with my drawing has been a part of my life for a, a very, very long time. It's like, how can I either because when I moved here as well to the north of Spain, I, I didn't have a job. I didn't have many qualifications. I said, well, what can I do? And I said, well, I'll go and draw a picture of the Guggenheim and I can go to a, a gallery and see if they'll, they'll take it and they'll sell it. And I was, I was fortunate enough, um, you know, I found places that would stock my stuff. And so that, that was cool. That helped certainly at the very start. You know, but uh, I think that's always been uh, with art where I've, 
I've, I've had my headspace. It's not really what I've wanted to do. It's more, what can I do to survive with my pictures? You know, how can I, how can I make something from these pictures? And it was only really, I think after I'd, I'd gone through a period of stability um, with actually having a, a job that I actually began to think, well, how could I use or not use art, but how can I, how can I actually enjoy what I'm doing? And, and so uh, I, I put wrestling and um, drawing together for the first time because I've been a wrestler. And when I was here, I, I started my own wrestling company. And, and so wrestling was always a thing in my life and art was always a thing in my life, but they've always been in separate boxes. So it was only around 2015, 2016, that I started putting them together. Uh, and that's when I started the, the Shiny Wizard accounts to, to just kind of get that get that out there and I think um that's always been the thing as well with um maybe drawing the line it's like I'm not gonna draw WWE stars I'm not gonna draw anybody necessarily who people already know about because what's what's the point in doing it? it's not fun for me I don't you know it, it, that's not the reason why I'm drawing these pictures um it's it's fun for me but then also I'd like to maybe shine a light on those people who others don't know about. And um, as the, the accounts have got you know, more and more people looking at them, I think that's become more, much more important to me. Just again, how can I, how can I use this in a constructive way to, to celebrate the sacrifices that these people are making that would otherwise go unnoticed or, or unseen? This is just like a very, I guess, personal anecdote from my experience with your art, but I've always found that when looking at it, um, the way that you draw luchadors, masked and unmasked, tends to really stand out to me. The way that you capture them is really beautiful, and you capture something about them that is so different from the rest of your art, and I find it really special. And so I'm wondering, when it comes to your your, your illustrations, are there certain types of wrestlers that you connect with more, um, or that you have a preference to draw, or you know, what is that experience like for you, I guess? That's really interesting. I think with with luchadors, I mean, that's it. The way that you would then emote as a luchador, if you're behind a mask, the way that you'd emote uh, would be through your eyes or, again, through your mannerisms. Through the, 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 I can't, can't express those mannerisms necessarily, but um, trying to make a connection through, through the eyes, through the mask, I mean, that's important. And so those same people that I would, uh, I suppose, enjoy drawing more would be the ones whose personality are, are transparent. Um, yeah, through the eyes or through, they, they've got something that is, is uh, it's, it's difficult to express. Like the Maki Ito is, is awesome to draw and, and the, uh, the great Sasuke is awesome to draw and um, uh, Minoru Suzuki is awesome to draw. I mean, they're just fun experiences because there's always something mischievous in their facial expressions. There's something it's like their spirit, even though you're, you're, you're looking at a, uh, a reference picture, a blurred reference picture, but th their spirit is, is there and present, even though they're, they're not moving, they're not talking, they're not. And, and you kind of translate that through, through their eyes. It's, it's like uh, I said recently, like um, Misawa's elbows are, are always fun to draw because like there's this sort of frozen kinetic energy just, just there. And so um I think yeah the most pleasure that I get is where that person is is clearly present in whatever kind of static image I'm, I'm kind of looking at or whatever inspiration uh where the energy is easiest for me to translate because it's it's there it's so large and, and so easy for not to copy but you know to to take and, and then put across to capture it which is definitely a rare ability that you have. And like you said, it's those people with something that's so bright that you have to capture it. That really sticks out to you. And that can definitely be seen again. If you guys want to check that out, you really should go onto uh, Shining Wizard DS on Twitter. Cause like you said, it's that frozen kinetic energy that really stuck out to me when you said that, because that's what I feel, especially where um, Alicia really loves the luchadors. I really like the match drawings where you can just feel that energy, even just in a still drawing. 
And of the things you've drawn, you have covered some really broad subjects like heavyweight and junior heavyweight champions across all these major promotions. However, now with your newest book, you are taking a specific subject with the J Crown Tournament, which we talked about just a little bit, but what made you want to tackle that one specific subject? I mean, the thing with the J Crown, because it's the the eight different championships that go together to, to compose that one title, although it's, say, the tournament with just one moment or you know, a three-day tournament um, to form this one unified octuple championship. Um, it Because of the eight composite parts, it's got this massive, sprawling 75-year history to it. And I've, I've always wanted, I think, to um, archive the, the entire industry. And I've I kind of realized before I started this that I was, it, it, my, my focus was maybe too narrow and I wanted to organically or as organically as possible think, well, how can I start bringing in the world of wrestling? And I'd, I'd been looking at the, uh, when I finished the previous book, that was just for fun, kind of going through the lineage of the, the FMW Independent Junior Heavyweight Championship, which has got champions from Mexico and Michinoku Pro and FMW and, and, and it's now in just uh, just tap out. And um, I was trying to think, well, well, what other titles are there that have this, this sort of sprawling globe trotting uh, lineage? And then, you know, obviously around the same time, I'm, I'm thinking about Sasuke because he was the first champion of the, the FMW Independent Pro. And um, uh, you see him there with the the eight different belts, and so suddenly the idea suddenly started coming together. Well, I'm I'm sure I can I can trace the lineages here, and the fact that they all started in such strange places, such disparate places, came together just for that one moment, and then after uh, just over a year, they went off and again scattered again. And it, it just made for a, a really interesting framework. Uh, to start from to then then, then start this project and it, it, it kind of happened by by accident that it was the 25th anniversary of the J Crown last year or, you know, we're, we're in the 25th anniversary that kind of purely accidental but but that's how, how that happened. What's stood out to me and what you just said is that you want to archive the industry which is a huge task and that's awesome that you want to do that's very important and with you know the J Crown and it's legacy. Like you said, there's a 75 year history here. So I'm interested in how you approached your research for something like this. Cause it feels like there has to be a ton that goes into the planning of something like this. Yeah, no, I mean, it, there is, um, I think it kind of sitting down to just, it's like very old fashioned, your pen and paper and, and notebooks. And, and so, you know, just getting a lined notebook and sitting down and, and sketching out what what could go into it, like potential chapters and how to organize the uh, the book, sequence the book, um, and then kind of putting things into three different categories, things that I know off my own personal knowledge, um, things that I'm, I'm a bit shaky on, and then things that I just have no clue. <laughs> and um, it, it's those things that I've got no clue. That, that's where you start work early it's like you start going around and seeing whatever resources are available um uh what people have already done work people have already done um like in, in this case you know going through lots of lucha blogs and, and trying to balance sources and realizing wikipedia is is awful and <laughs> everything <laughs> this oh, didn't happen and this doesn't happen um i mean that everything on wikipedia should be taken with a pinch of so i mean at least seen until you know you've got three or four sources from the same place and yet that did actually happen um you know and you, you go through that and there's still like a few people or a few facts that you really don't know and so when that happens like see with this uh, uh, jason cross um this um wrestler who worked for for michinoku pro a few times uh, toward the end of the 90s um he was invaluable you know it helped me out with um 
the uh, British Commonwealth junior heavyweight title. Uh, what happened to that? Tell me the, the story behind that. Um, Help me out with Stevie J as well, because he's one of the very few human beings still in contact with, with Stevie J. And um, no, so th then that's it. When you can't actually find information, it's, it's try as much as possible to go to the source. And um, uh, more often than not, people are, are more than happy to, to share with you um, their experiences. Because again, um, you know, we're, we're here for a very short period of time. And if you're in professional wrestling, I think there's uh, an inherent fear perhaps that maybe what you're doing is not worthwhile unless you're making a ton of money. And so I, I don't know. I mean, this is it. It's, it's such, um, it, it's such an incredible art form. And, and I think anyone willing to archive it or anyone kind of willing to celebrate it, you know, this is it. You're, you're part of this larger community. And there's a lot of wrestlers who, who appreciate that or, or engage with that. So, so I'm very fortunate to have had a lot of help kind of putting this together. And in that research, were there any stories from the J Crown tournament and of course its aftermath that really spoke to you while you're putting together this book? I'm sure there were a lot of things you didn't already know that sort of stood out. Could you tell us a little bit about something that really like jumped out at you? Yeah, no, but that's it. There's, um, there's something from everyone, you know, and, and um, I think that's, that's one of the big things that I wanted to to get across or I want to get across kind of collecting all the biographies it's a, there's everyone's achievement I mean it's it's so incredible to have gone to that stage of life to, to have gone through that um but knowing that this recent book I mean I mentioned Stevie J Stevie J is um was uh, a professional wrestler from England uh, at the beginning of the 90s where to be a British professional wrestler you it, it was very difficult to make a living from it. Um, again, I mentioned before it had been this this massive institution, which had suddenly fallen apart. You know, it was it was very hard to to have you know, artistic integrity, perhaps, and and want to still make a living as a professional wrestler in the UK at that time. And he sold his car um, and just flew out to to Japan with the premise that he would just work for, for Michinoku Pro Wrestling. And that, that was it. He, he just turned up on the great Sasuke's doorstep and, and said, hi, I'm me. Uh, you don't have to pay me. Um, just, just see me work and, and see what I can do and, and book me. And, and they were just taken aback by the guy's goal and the guy's courage. And then also how good he was and so after that, yeah, there was no problem. And they paid him from the very first moment. You know, and um, again, um, and I, I knew that just from, from something someone had, had um, sent me, like they sent me a, a fan clipping of a, a fanzine at the time. But then Jason Cross said, no, and he did the same with Mexico. You know, and he was out there and he, he flew out to Mexico after he'd made his money in, in Japan or a bit of money in Japan, he flew out to Mexico, uh, was sleeping on the, the beach and wrestling, and then he went back to um, Michinoku Pro. And so no, just this, this incredible guy who had suddenly through his ability and his courage um, found a, a support network and, and had made his own name and, and was gonna go on to, to do great, great things, but then he, he broke his arm and the arm didn't heal and as, as quickly as like his uh, globe trotting started, that, that his, his career came to an end. And um, he had to retire um, at, the end of, at the end of 95. Um, or 94, at the end of 94, sorry. And um, I don't, just, just that, just the story that like, you, can, you can go out, you don't have to follow the narrative that has been set for you. You don't have to give up. You can go out and, and do something and be someone. And it, if it ends, then it through no fault of your own, at least you've tried, at least you've done it and you have that then for the rest of your life. And I don't know, I found that particularly inspiring. Just, um, and um, guys like Hiro Matsuda as well, and um, I kind of knew the name and knew a bit about him, but 
kind of cataloging the fact that he was a student of Ricky Dozan. Um, he fell out with Ricky Dozan because um, he was sick of being belittled for wanting to travel abroad and work in the States. Um, he left Japan at a time when it was nearly impossible to do that. He, he went to Peru. He finally worked for um, CMLL in, in Mexico. Um, that was sponsored by Santo's brother to then go to, to the States and, and wrestled in the States and was then trained again by Carl Gotch and, and became again, just, just somebody standing by himself, respected by his peers. Um, and again, became an institution in a completely different country just by following, following his own path and just, just deciding when I have this dream and I have this one life and, and this is what I want to achieve. This is what I want to do with it. Um, there's lots of instances of, of just that, lots of incredible individuals. And um, I know that that's the best thing about writing these books. It's just um, the constant reminder, just, just don't give up, keep going, keep doing it. Thank you so much for sharing those stories there. I'm tearing up actually. And I think that really speaks to the heart and the depth of the research that you really put into it, the thought you put into it and um, the value that you put on these people's dreams and how they're so willing to go chase them at any cost. I think that's really incredible. And the tournament and these mm -hmm. participants, especially the top participants, still have such a mark on our lives as you stated and have so much value. What do you think is the legacy of this tournament and those participants? That's a very difficult question. I mean, that's, that's a really hard question because unfortunately I think it, the legacy of the J-Crown is probably a couple of well-known photographs. <laughs> um, say the the picture of Sasuke and the picture of Dragon um, I kind of say at the very beginning of the, these are pictures that people see uh, in the rare context you know out of a wrestling context but these are these are photographs that people are aware of they sort of become synonymous for for success you know, these these two guys draped in gold I think the fact that I, I don't think it worked out the way that it was supposed to the fact that Sasuke broke his or cracked his skull um, during that final uh, and the fact that he, he wasn't able to participate um, for, for a couple of months after he became the J-Crown champion. Um, I don't know where it would have gone or, or what would have happened had he been healthy, had he, had he gone through um, without the injury. I don't know whether the J-Crown would have had a, a much bigger cultural impact uh, beyond those photographs. I think, I mean, Ultimo Dragon as, as the champion um, instantly synonymous with with success and with the belt, uh, but then everything everything fell apart um, within again like just over a year uh, for a number of different reasons. A war needed a championship to defend. They didn't have one um, because you know, Liger Liger had it. Like it was part of the J Crown, and um, and then the WWF wanted their their belt back because they were starting their own junior heavyweight division. So I'm not sure what the legacy is beyond it was a beautiful moment in history. And I, and, and I think worth the long journey that, that sort of accidentally built up, built up, built up. It's like all the things that you, know, you, you never know what's gonna happen in the future, but somehow everything came together in that one moment. And um, I know the legacy, I suppose, is that it, it brought all of those different strands together. And then, then again, as it, as it kind of scattered to the wind, they're still related through their history. So no, it, it's a really hard question of what the legacy of the J-Crown is um, beyond, again, the, the fact that it existed and the fact that it's synonymous with, with success, the fact that it's, it's possible for all these things that come from very, very different places to come together just for this one beautiful moment. Um, again, that's kind of inspirational. Definitely, I think it's inspirational, and I think that speaks to uh, the importance of 
your book, I think um, that sort of thing could create more of a legacy than you realize when you set out and researched it and put all that into it. I think there is uh, something to be said there. And I think there is a legacy in that, that uh, synonymous with success, as you were stating, um, the mark that it could leave in the world, um, despite those limitations that were created um, during the tournament because of the tournament. Uh, let's highlight sort of the uh, higher side of the tournament. What would you say would be a high point of the tournament that stood out to you? Kind of the, uh, the matches um, from the first round, Casas uh, and Otani, um, incredible match. Um, everything Otani did and does has this very hard hitting, very fierce, very legitimate um, and he's got such a chip on his shoulder at this time as well. But so does Cassas kind of being an outsider in uh, in the tournament, even though he's been back or been going back and forth between Mexico and Japan for, for many years before this. You know, he's still you know, not one of the, the favorites. And I think that kind of comes across in this one match. There's this urgency that you don't get in the rest of the tournament. Um, you know, I, I, I love that match. It's, it, the first round, it's, it's my pick of the first round. Um, and then... The semifinals, I think Sasuke, um, El Samurai, um, because it feels a lot more personal um, than a lot of the other matches. I think um, they've known each other for a long time. They're, they're friends. But uh, with El Samurai, when he went to, to Mexico, he was treated just a little bit differently because he wasn't... Um, Part of Grand Hamada's clique, or he wasn't, he didn't work for for Hamada's company in, in uh, Japan. Uh, he was a New Japan wrestler, and so he, he, I think, got a shorter shrift than um, Hamada's guys, like like Sasuke, like uh, Gato, um, like the others who were there at the same time. And I think there was always that very personal one-upmanship between them, and it comes out in in this match. I think El Samurai as well, just his, his mat wrestling, the way that he brings out the best in, in Sasuke. Again, it's, it's sort of um, uh, the versatility of, of Sasuke really comes out in that match. Um, he, he really has to, again, fight. And uh, the fact he overcomes El Samurai at, at his own game, you know, it's, no, that, again, that stands out. Uh, and then the final, the final is the final. It's, it's Sasuke and it's Dragon and it's amazing. And... I, there is a genuine sense of, of a once in a lifetime uh, to be the best of the best. And it's, um, and of all the matches there, it, it's the easiest one to see. It's on the world, just go and watch it. It's, um, no, it, it's a treasure. And it, it's this kind of freeze frame of history. Again, it's, it's, it's uh, I don't know, irreplicable. So something I'm really curious about, just from following you on your social media, you seem to always be illustrating. You're always posting something new to Twitter, to your Instagram. Um, so when you're working on these sorts of projects, does your art come before the written research or does it vary from project to project? How does that work for you? Um, well, I, I, the, the social media, Twitter kind of exists um, in, it, in its own little bubble. The only uh, thing I have for Twitter is I've got to post something every day and I've, I've posted something to Twitter every day for the last six years. Um, and so as long as I'm doing that, that's okay. That kind of just exists uh, by itself. Um, the larger projects, um, everything kind of happens simultaneously. Uh, so if I've sat down and I've made a plan of what needs to be written and what needs to be drawn, then it's just keep up with the drawings and the drawings will then go to, to social media. Or the majority of the drawings will go to social media. Um, but no, they're happening simultaneously and then kind of at nighttime and in the spare moments that I get, that's, that's when the writing's happening. The writing's happening into deep into the night. <laughs> I can imagine. So with Twitter as sort of a separate project, your work with the J Crown series is something totally different. What would you say are the biggest challenges when you're working on those very specific, big types of projects? I think... Uh, because I was not to say that the uh, social media is disposable, but there is uh, 
it's, it's one of the biggest things I have against the idea of, of being a content creator in that you are just there to occupy somebody's time for a few moments or you're just there to occupy kind of dead, dead air and you're not. You're, you're, when you're writing or, or drawing or, or doing a podcast or whatever, you're, you're kind of putting something out there that's going to be there for forever and echo <laughs> forever and ever. And so the challenge is in the, the biggest challenge, maybe in the very limited time that we have is to do everyone justice or to, to put the, the quality that, that everyone deserves and, and requires um, into the work that you're, you're doing. And that's, that's the biggest challenge. Cause I think as, as individuals, you're, you're pulled in a hundred different directions, whether it's your, your job or your, your family or your friends or your, whatever it might be to be able then to to sit down and adequately give everyone always you know the best of yourself is is real hard and I think because it's a daily operation and it's that it's it's very hard to unfortunately you know I'm, I'm conscious of, of sometimes not having a great day you know in in terms of the work I do and I, I think that kind of sense of shame is like oh I, I, given this guy maybe short shrift you know I, I need to go back and redo that and so then when I I noticed that I can't live with myself. I can't kind of then put that in a book forever. So then I have to go back and do it again. And if I mess up again, I've got to do it again. <laughs> and somehow, <laughs> somehow, you know, three or four o'clock in the morning, be trying to do this. And then I've got to get up at six and, and whatever. And, and so that that's hard. But I mean, that's the thing that I've chosen to do. I mean, so that that in itself, you know, that's, that's, that's my problem. I think the hardest thing that I find is, is selling it because it, it's a product it's it's something that, that is for sale and i kind of you know the the amazon thing set up so you'll we'll go to uh, my my daughter's bank account in the future whatever it's, the money's going to to her it doesn't go to me so it's like well I, i'm going to sell this because no one else is going to sell it and it's for the future of somebody i love very much so I, i'm going to sell this but i feel so obnoxious doing it i feel i feel vile um and I, I genuinely do because there's again so many people out there trying to make a buck off you um again just to eat and and in some cases that's it they're they're doing it uh because you have you have creators trying to sell their stuff so they can survive but then you've got you've got banks who insist you owe them x amount of money because you have a bank account with them doesn't make sense to me or you know you have um rent to pay bills to pay mortgage to pay and and so the fact that anyone um has has chosen to to buy my book instead of buying something to eat or, or go watch a movie or, or whatever it might be to make their lives better you know it's I'm, no, it's, it's it's not a burden it's this massive honor but like i feel I feel terrible kind of putting it out there and saying, hey, could you maybe buy this? <laughs> and that's the worst part. <laughs> and those are some incredibly relatable things. Um, <laughs> we were both nodding like, oh, yeah, uh, really, really feel you on that. And um, I definitely think that it is worth a buy. Like just my <laughs> own personal opinion is that I've read through it. Alicia's read through it. And um, I think that it does make our lives a little bit better. It enriches us. So uh, don't sell yourself too short there. <laughs> Matt is too humble. Please go buy his work for what he gives back to this community. We'll, we'll uh, hold the confidence for you there. <laughs> but no, um, seriously, thank you for sharing those, uh, those challenges. Um, so what would you say then are the upsides? What pushes you forward through those, you know, 4am recent sessions <laughs> that the the fact that then that the work would be out there and and the the fact that um now somebody else's achievements are are out there um the fact that you have these people um and i i try and be as as respectful as possible to to everyone i don't think i've written a bad word about anyone um I hope I haven't at least you know it wasn't it wasn't the intention I kind of never set out to, to bury anyone the fact that the fact that we're, we're kind of all going to go and the fact that we're all going to be forgotten real fast <laughs> and the fact that there's a there's a book called The Wrestling um, by Simon Garfield 
and it's it's about uh, British wrestling. And it's something I read a long time ago. And um, in it, there is a passage where he he talks about these people who again were, were massive stars, and it just kind of goes through the deaths of these people. And you know, like uh, some guy having a heart attack by the side of the road, and nobody noticing. And 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 that was it. But at one point, he was performing in front of you know massive TV audience, millions of people. But no, because your your moment has passed. You you cease to exist in in popular consciousness. You you are no longer of importance. You are no longer of worth. I mean, the the biggest thing is to have put something out there that perhaps for if not for the person themselves, maybe then for their, their families or for their, whoever comes after them who might be interested, that, that moment, that person, that, that thing that they did is, is recorded in, in some way. And the whole kind of idea of, of archiving the industry is, is just that. I mean, there's, there's so much, um, there's so much sacrifice involved in professional and everything. I mean, there's so much sacrifice involved in just getting up and going to work. Everybody deserves a picture on, on some random Twitter account, you know, <laughs> celebrating their worth for doing whatever it is they do. But I mean, that's it. And I think that's the motivation that whatever little worth it, it has, it's, it's this positive thing out there um, that maybe encourages people, you know, that, just to, to feel better about themselves. I think, well, yeah, okay, well, that, that was worth it. I did, I did do something cool. Or, you know, I, it's, it's hard because then again, that, kind of assumes that I have any kind of authority, you know, again, I'm just a random social media account. (laughs) Sometimes that's, that's all you, all you need, you know, just, just a a positive message. No, that's really beautiful. And I think actually, especially poignant coming off of this week in the world. So thank you for, yeah. Thank you for sharing that actually to switch gears a bit back to the JCon tournament. We were both really, curious that if we were to revive this type of tournament today which actually feels super daunting but if we were to revive that type of tournament today do you have any idea about who you would like to see participate we know it's it's daunting but you know maybe not impossible this being the a big 50th anniversary year for old japan and um new japan and having already seen the the noah new japan show you know it, it might be something they could put together in the future so um, let's see. So, I mean, it's, it's for champions. And so, uh, you had, uh, Hikaru Sato win the, um, uh, Old Japan World Junior Heavyweight Championship last week. So, so him, Sato, um, Harada from Noah. um. We give you a little permission to do some fantasy booking too. It's okay. Okay. It's for champions. Yeah, put a bell on who I, you I want. Like, yeah. I would like to see Harada versus Sato. I think that yeah. would be cool. Um, Great match. Let's, I mean, uh, Michinoku Pro, I mean, you'd have to have someone from them, um, Musashi, get him in from, from Michi Pro. Uh, Dragon Dia, uh, Chris Brooks, get Chris Brooks in. Um, Desperado, Hiromu. I don't know, you got eight people. That's, that's really difficult. Yohei as well. <laughs> <laughs> know, or just get everyone. You know, it's, it's the thing. It's... Um, it's the one thing with the, the New Japan Cup that's coming up. They've got you know, 48 people. And I think they just put their entire roster on. The, and they've got SEMA as well. And I think, well, <laughs> you could put in a Lindemann or you could get all of these these young guys. I don't know, the, the massive fantasy booking that, that could happen because you've got so many, so many awesome young wrestlers there to take it forward. I think that's the thing with Otani in the original um jake Crown tournament he was like three years into his career at the time and i think that 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 has to be something that, that any kind of modern replica of, of the jake Crown would have to take into account yes it was a celebration of the the best of the best um but also um without many exceptions all these people had had a brilliant bright future ahead of them and so these are all young people at the start of their careers more or less and I think mm-hmm. that's it to kind of give birth to a new generation so that would, that would be something that's important it would definitely be nice to have something of the spectacle back I think that's the part that appeals to me the most about something like that tournament is that there really was such spectacle involved and mm. you don't see a lot of that anymore in modern pro I can't think of even like a modern 
equivalent to something like that. But it would just be fun to bring something like that back for that, just the sheer spectacle at all to see eight belts just sat on a table. Like that would just be, I think, something else. Is it the reverence kind of shown towards the, because in the end, they're just gimmicks, but they're not. And in that context, they they represent an awful lot more. It's it's the mentality of the, the company that you're from. Um, the the way that you interpret professional wrestling, the way that you perform professional wrestling, the way that you live it and and do it. So no, I mean, I just think going back to the Noah New Japan show. I mean, I I felt that that was that was a fantastically fun watch. It was it, it came close to it. I mean, it, if you suspend your your disbelief, or you you gonna pretend that you don't know what you know or, or who's friends with who and what's that what's really happening, then it, it, it has that it still has that that kind of um ability to be again otherness and and strangeness to companies that are at loggerheads or at sort of creative loggerheads anyway i don't know i, I think it's possible it is it, it's definitely possible to if everyone just kind of comes around and, and thinks well how can we produce the best possible professional wrestling there, there's so many brilliant creative minds out there then and yeah they can they can produce something super special we'll have to keep our fingers crossed for our all japan show with uh new japan coming up in uh so i guess what september is when we get that so something like that is that far off in the future i think there's a curricane hall anniversary show that i think features both wrestlers and that might or both uh, companies and that might actually be in april so we'll have to go back and check on that one. But um, I think that is to uh, Matt's point, uh, very close to that sort of spectacle that you can get out of the J crown. But like you said, fingers crossed for something really big and really exciting on that. If you are able to share, uh, what do you have in mind next for the J crowned series? So I've got to be super careful because the minute I say that I'm going to do something, I have to do it. And, and I have to be doing <laughs> things that I regret. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, um, I think this year the, there's not going to be a, a J. Cram book this year. Um, I'm going to start a, a kind of side series. And again, this, this kind of comes out of a conversation I was having with my, my brother. Most good things come out of conversations I'm having with my brother. Um, I'm going to uh, do a series of um, the New Japan uh, alumni, just everyone who has worked for New Japan from 1972 through to now. And um, it's going to be thousands of people. Um, so it was split into five books. So one for the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and, and all the way through to where we are now. I don't know how much writing is going to be in those books, whether it would just be um, pictures with sort of basic statistics and what have you but um again the idea of just kind of bringing everyone together and uh putting in maybe matches of, of the decade or matches of for for each year the next j crown probably be be next year um and it would be the people who haven't been in yet so i mean get some uh bjw um dragon gate um ddt and more no everyone i mean j crown i think will because I, the format works in so much as there are people who like it and people say nice things about it. Uh, and so it's, it's as good as I can do. And, and, and I, can, I can do it, I can draw it and I can write it. And so knowing that um, and knowing that I'll, I'll do it again, and I'll, I'll just keep doing it until everyone, or as far as I can do, everyone has been covered until I can't hold a pen. Or, or type so no it's it's for the rest of my life you know so it's really good to hear that the jacobs <laughs> will continue and that you really have that uh, heart into it and um, that other series or other series other projects that you're planning as well um are also in the works so thank you for sharing those sort of things because that's really exciting as well that is a huge huge project with the njpw alumni but it'll definitely be something really cool to see i hope so <laughs> i think so <laughs> something that we 
ask everyone that comes on to speak with us is, you know, what wrestling are you keeping up with these days? What are your favorite promotions to watch wrestlers feuds and storylines? We're coming off of a week of just all kinds of crazy stuff happening um, in Noah and in other, other corners of wrestling. So please, if you would like to share okay. anything that is, you know, particularly sticking out to you and that you're enjoying these days. Um, um, that's, that's a difficult question. I mean, uh, <laughs> kind of bits and bobs. I mean, everything. I mean, your your kind of eyes are open and drawn to again good matches. People will will recommend or rave about something, and so you're drawn to that. I wouldn't say there's anything I'm watching kind of religiously. Um, I'm not aboard uh, a zeitgeist, or I'm not aboard a, a particular bandwagon at the moment. Um, I love. I love Gleet. I love that Gleet exists. <laughs> and so there's there's young guys like um, Tamura and uh, Izuka and um, um, Takanori Ito. Ito. Um, yeah, yeah, amazing, young. Uh, again, thinking about the future. Um, incredible promotion. The fact that it, it produces this um, form of professional wrestling that I, I personally enjoy. And to see it doing so well. And again, to have see so many people behind it what else what else i think kind of this week you mentioned uh, things that have happened this week like you had the announcement of uh, nomads um just this this independent group uh like strong hearts like prominence um and i think that that's interesting for me i want these people to do to do well to kind of get away from the idea that it's the the companies that it's the individuals who have the power, that it's the professional wrestlers who have the power. And that, that's interesting for me. I don't know, no, there's lots of stuff that I like. Uh, there's lots of really good stuff out there. DDT's doing, DDT, sorry, doing great stuff. Uh, TJPW doing great stuff. Tokyo Hiroshi Pro's always fun to watch. I think that's it. It's, it's just nothing kind of grabs me. No, no company kind of grabs me at the moment as doing everything perfectly but there are individuals who, who i can get behind and so again the idea of of strong hearts and prominence and nomads you know these are these are all individuals who i think can can change the business shape the business and who i can genuinely sit down and watch and love so i love watching t-hawk i love watching l Lindeman. and it doesn't matter where they're wrestling it doesn't matter who they're wrestling for they're representing themselves you know and that that pulls me and that draws me in more than, than any particular company at the moment. That's really interesting. And I actually think that your answer um, reflects in, you know, what you, what you post on your social in terms of who you're drawing. And it makes a lot of sense to me in that way. And I did just want to ask you um, one more question too. You did a great thread of highlights of the work that you did last year. And I was curious about what were some of the ones that you were most proud of you did a couple last year that were really important and special to me just there was like these special moments that you did that like I was just so happy that you did them I was thrilled um so I'm curious what were some of the ones that you were most proud of sharing <laughs> I have to now open my Twitter go back and remember what I did yeah, no. <laughs> no I I know that's it I mean, it was right at the end of the year and I think I was going back through my um my iPad, I was looking at the photographs from each month. And it was like, the ones that I posted were the ones that I felt were kind of aesthetically the most pleasing, whether they were the most significant or not. Uh, they were the ones that really stood out, like the um, Aska Moonsault um, amidst the cherry blossom. Um, yes. It was one of the best pictures that I've ever done, but I, it would never have been possible if this amazing woman hadn't hadn't done that hadn't hadn't been there that some incredible photographer hadn't been there and and captured it um again for me then to to reinterpret and, and put out no i think everything that was included in that that final thread of the year um had had personal significance because it's it's again the kind of fear that i i produce something and then i worry whether now, because there's this need to get tomorrow's picture done <laughs> and the, 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 the picture after that, whether it as a, as a piece of work has any worth or any significance. But then it, it doesn't so much matter if, if that piece of work has any significance because it was done to celebrate somebody else's work. It, if, if that makes sense, um, the, the, the pictures themselves were there to, to celebrate something 
that had happened. It's like this week um, with Fujita. Um, I, whether I liked the fact that he won the belt or not, which uh, personally I, I didn't. I'm not a big, not a big fan. Not necessarily of him. I'm not a big fan of, of Nakajima losing the belt. It's okay. But We're it, all it, on that page. <laughs> It, it still had to be. It still had to be captured, and it still had to be be put out there. And I, I'm I'm happy with the I'm happy with the the picture. Um, again, that one I, I was fucking doing it at two o'clock in the morning. I'd had a real long day, but it came out okay. <laughs> and, um, and then at the end of the year, come December, I'll, I'll probably do the same thread again because I, I really liked going back through the year and think, well, what what stood the time as a piece of work as as a drawing? Um, it will. It would probably go up there like in, at the end of the year but it, it just so happens that it is a significant kind of maybe a, a sea change in noah at the moment you know whether whether it will then go on to have historical significance we'll, we'll kind of have to wait until december to see um but as a piece of work yeah, at the moment I'm, I'm pleased with it actually um when you drew it i felt significantly better about the decision like i don't know <laughs> what it was just looking at that i was like you know everything's gonna be okay <laughs> like it I, it's just really funny you should mention it because um it just sort of i guess brightened my day to sort of see it even you know i don't necessarily agree with the decision but i'm like you know what Matt's drawing Fujita, everything's all right. <laughs> like, I well, can't I'm explain that. have to think a lot more about who I drew over. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I think uh, there's a power in whoever you choose to draw. Is that... Um, no, and that's it. I think as a professional wrestler, he, he he's a fantastic professional wrestler. Fujita is, is a great worker um, in a lot of different ways. You know, it, it, whatever you would perceive a worker to be. I mean, the guy, the guy has, has incredible personality. Um, and again, he's lived this in, incredible life and, and done I don't, so much. I, I, I just don't enjoy necessarily what he does. I don't enjoy watching it, but I mean, he's, he's got a power to him. He has, he has undeniable charisma and again, get into a conversation about Ruto and, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whether... uh, I mean, full disclaimer, good. we love Muto here. So <laughs> we may not like watching his work all the time, but Muto is, is like you said, um, no, Muto's it's powerful charisma. So uh... I think, I mean, that that's it though. That That's the danger um, in what you produce as as a company and i think then that's that's where the interest comes more in the the individuals if your company is um let's say a, a sports entertainment company um or i just it's like with with muto as champion i, I didn't necessarily accept it um as much as i should I'd, i would have accepted the great muto without a shadow of a doubt you know it's the elder muto's champion why because he's magic okay and then that's that. But <laughs> here you have a guy with knackered knees who, who can't move over and, and he's defeating these um, young men who could destroy him the minute they chose to. And so why is he champion in, in your sports-oriented company? You know, it, it, it made no sense to me. It's perception, I think, a lot with them. With <laughs> <Udo>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's hard to have a person with such incredible legacy incredible personality and then he clearly can't walk to the ring that's I think the central issue that's absolutely right mm -hmm. that's it and I'm looking and then I say that and I'm looking forward to seeing um Fujiwara next week more than yep. anything I'm <laughs> looking yeah. forward to the main event in the, the anniversary show and that, that's going to be incredible it's a mess of contradictions to be a fan of uh professional wrestling I'm finding I, I feel the same exact way as you professional wrestling it's just yeah. massive predictions <laughs> get that tattooed on me honestly <laughs> just a really good good line a mass of contradictions but we love it anyway and uh, we catalog it anyway um such as your incredible work and we cannot thank you enough for what you do and uh, how you do it and the heart and the thought you put into it, not just with the drawings, but with the writing too, the tweets, um, you really sum up the wrestler and the heart of it. Um, 
recently, actually, the El Desperado one you did, where I think it was, um, he now holds the door open for others. When you said that, um, it really just, it, it touched me. And um, I think that speaks towards how deep you think about wrestling. And like I said, we cannot thank you enough for coming onto our podcast to uh, talk about that a little bit and how much uh, wrestling is, despite being a massive contradictions, um, how it's just a really rare and incredible art form. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's the highest form of art. I mean, it's the, the highest form of everything. I mean, the, the, thank you for saying that, man. Thank you for, for wanting to talk to me. I can't. No, thank you. I mean, just, just thank you so much. So let's uh, close things out just a little bit. Where can our listeners purchase J-Crown, and the J-Crown edition, and your other work? Um, the, the books are, are from Amazon, and, and that's kind of everywhere. Um, so J-Crown or Matt Charlton, and, and they will come up. And if you see anything on, on Twitter or um, Instagram you like, just, just send me a message and, and I'll, I'll send it to you and I'll, I'll find a way to get a discount. And I never charge postage. And yeah, <laughs> so just, just send me a message. Thank you again so much for your time. No, thank you again. Like it's been a, a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to and supporting Kickout. We're always thrilled to bring you these exciting interviews as well as deep dives on all kinds of topics surrounding Purosu. Please subscribe to or follow us on Apple or Spotify so that you get our episodes first when they drop. Subscribing to us and giving us a review or rating on your preferred platform really helps us as we try to grow Kickout. So please help us out by doing that. And you can always find us on Twitter at Kickout299. And you can find our personals me, Rachel, at Milky Star, that's M-I-I-K-Y star. And you can find Alicia at Shiranuikai with two eyes. You can also check out our blog at kickout299.wordpress.com. We have some great articles up. We have some reviews. Um, we have lots of stuff up on the blog right now. So please make sure you go and take a look at that. And to submit questions and feedback that we may read on the next podcast. And if you have an interest in submitting a pitch for the blog or the podcast, please email us at kickoutat299 at gmail.com. And speaking of the podcast, we have a lot of really fun episodes lined up for you. Next, we have an episode on the NOAA Hardcore Belt, which we've been researching. It's been really interesting, really fun. And then we also have the next episode in our series on Puroresu factions. This time we will be focusing on AJPW. As always, make sure you follow our Twitter to see what else we have planned for upcoming episodes. Thank you all so much once again, and we will talk to you soon.